are back in Chateau Gwen. We never left. And this is episode 25, quarter of a century, with Miss Samantha. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Uh, full disclosure, we've been drinking a lot of wine tonight. Um, is this a third bottle? <laughs> <laughs> We're in our third bottle of my favorite, which is rosé. Don't judge me. And it's a Wednesday, but it was a rough day. And we're also celebrating Sam's last night in the U.S. of A. Yeah. Woo -woo! And she's going to be going to Grecia, to Greece. Yep. The land of, I don't know what it is. I don't know what their nickname is or anything like that, if they have one. Like, no, I don't know. We're land of the free home of the brave. I don't know what they are. <laughs> I don't know either. Um, Beach and waves, sun and, and the gods, the uh, sexy men. I don't know about they're the sexy men part. Well, they're hairy. The Texas. Yeah, I'm sure they're very hairy. Um, I'll be the judge because I don't think it's Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm dating a couple over here in America, but um, yeah, let's move on. So actually, but let's let's talk about dating. Actually, that was my next topic. Um, that was actually my next topic on the list. Dating abroad and internationally. Let's get right into that. Dating abroad internationally. You have lived. So why don't you tell everybody where you've lived? You kind of you alluded to it in the last episode. Where have you lived? So I've lived in Japan. Yes. And I've lived what constitutes living? What what I read okay, whatever you want to tell. Okay, so technically the Czech Republic was first. I like this wine. Go ahead. Um Japan. This is nice. Right South Sudan. France, Iraq, and Greece. Okay. See, so she's been around the world and I, I, I. Okay? She can't find her baby because she's single too. All right? That was a shade. Gwen's, Gwen is single and Gwen is a little bit drunk. So, Gwen's tipsy. Oh, let's talk about So let, Let's go around the world. Let's, um, Czech Republic. Hey, any interesting dating stories there? Just there, must have, there must have been, but I don't think you I can remember. Japan, you, you told an interesting um, one. I've already disclosed, you the, disclosed most the most interesting one. Um, I don't want to disclose my most interesting one. I have to be honest. I can disclose one. I don't know. What? Go ahead. I can always delete, so go ahead. What? I feel like the micro penis. Okay, that was, yes, that was. So yes, 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 I already talked about that. I talked I about the micro penis. Uh, yes, yes, she did so. Okay, so now you guys know where the micropenis happened. But the micropenis I talked about in the Peter Pan episode, yes, she's aware of it. That happened in Japan. Yes, wow. And actually, that was that was a story, but actually wasn't my most interesting. <laughs> that wasn't my most interesting. But that's okay. <laughs> in the world. That's what I thought. But I actually really skinny. I gave like and then a, when they get old they get these really big like beer belly okay. things. Not so attractive. Got it. But I actually gave like a hot take that I don't think hot tall guys usually have big penises. So um but anyway, go ahead, tell me. Well I don't think you can generalize to that degree. Tall men 
penis size. No, I think people assume that when a guy is tall, he's going to have a penis that matches his height. That is and, not always the case. And that's what I said. And that's what I right. said. Okay. That's what I said. Okay. Just been a date I have dated a tall. The biggest penis I've ever seen is on a tall guy. So that's true. The Haitian guy I talked to you guys about had a really big dick. Okay. And he was tall. He wasn't short. But I predominantly dated tall guys. And I can tell you that it's not true. Like, it's not always, you know, sometimes they just have very average size dicks, which is kind of sad because they're so tall. But um, so it's kind of hit or miss with the tall guys, I said. Yes, I would agree with that. And it was that hit or miss in South Sudan. In terms of penis size? Yes. Yes. Really? Yes. Wow. I would say they do not. Not that I can speak for the entire no, you can't. I know. <laughs> so, I know we're not. We're talking about our own personal experiences. Yeah. Um, but in my experience, um, the the South Sudanese do not fit the African bigger, you know, massive penis stereotype. Okay, I'm going to be so fucked up right now, but do you think it's because they were, like, hungry? I, mean, I know that sounds so fucked up. I know I sound so fucked up. And Gwen has been drinking, too. I'm sorry. But I'm just saying. Is, is that a part of, like, malnourishment? I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to be funny. Well, yeah, that's like jaundice shit. I mean, yeah, but it never, you don't grow out of it as yeah. an adult, even if, yeah. So okay. that's the one thing that is visible that you can tell if somebody was malnourished as a child. Got it, got it. But in terms of penis size, yes. I, I do not know. Okay, sorry. I, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> we are at our third bottle of wine, <laughs> and I had a rough day at work. Damn, that was <laughs> sorry. Um, um, so, but um, they're, I wouldn't say that they are below average. Okay. So I would say they're average. Yeah. Mostly average. Yeah. To above average. Got it. Yeah. So culturally, okay, I'm sorry. I know I always take it to penis size first. I'm such That's a obviously, I'm just crazy. Yeah. Um, sorry. I'm just fucked up. But so culturally, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what, how is it dating? What, what's the, what, are there, what's, what's the like main religion in South Sudan? Is in South Sudan main? is predominantly Christian. It's predominantly Christian. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Muslim minority. Okay. So, how was dating there? So, dating was interesting. Okay, I'll um, So, even though it's a predominantly Christian culture, it is a Christian culture that does believe in polygamy. Right. Um, so, there are significant influences from, from Sudan and from okay. Islam, as South Sudan is a very new country. Right. That broke apart from Sudan. Right. It's, it's, it's the newest country. Yes. Newest country in the yeah, world. in the world. Indeed. Gwen knows stuff. Go ahead. So um, there is polygamy and it's seen as a sign of sort of prosperity and wealth. If you right. can afford yeah. to have multiple wives, 
You do. Correct. So um, do they practice? So this is the thing. Yes, it's, it's actively practiced. But this is the thing, because even in Islam, it's not that you guys think that they're supposed to just be slaying their dicks. That's not what it is. It's if you can afford the, the wives. So can these men actually afford the wives, or is it just a cultural practice? So they can afford them in the sense that they're able to pay a bride price. Okay, the bride price. Okay. Right? Yeah. So... Um, when you get married in South Sudan, the groom has to pay a bride price for the woman. The dowry. And that, no, it's not a dowry. Oh, it's not the, the dowry. dowry goes the other way around. Oh, they change it. Oh, so they actually a dowry make it. is for the man. Oh, so the they make it for the woman. Okay, so they make a distinction between on a gender. They're two different concepts. Okay. Well, no, they make By a definition. distinction. Well, no, because no. people pay d- dowries for women, depending on the culture. But it's, anyway, it's let's to the on. men's family. A dowry is to the men's family. A bride prices to the bride's family. But I think, okay, I believe by not, definition. No, but I, I feel like culturally people will, will talk about a dowry when they're paying for a woman. Um, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's not get caught up on the semantics. Yeah, a dowry is when the woman's family pays the man's family. Um, no, I hear what you're saying, but I've heard it the other way. So okay. let's not get okay. caught up on the semantics Fair because enough. I've heard it the other way. Um, so it's referred to as bride price in South Sudan. So that's right. the term they use. So that's right. the term I'll use. Right. Um, so the, the groom and the groom's family pay to the bride's family a bride price. Mm-hmm. And it's actually determined by the uncles, mm-hmm. um, not actually the parents. Um, the uncles are the most important, basically. The uncles? Uncles determine everything, not the parents. Okay. Um, so if you ever want influence in a family in South Sudan, you talk to the uncles, you don't talk to the parents. Okay. Um, so anyway... Um, the, yeah, so basically the influence, the power, the wealth is if you can afford, if you can You're pay right. the bride's price. Right, is, a dowry <laughs> is to a daughter, wait, no, a dowry is the transfer of a parental property to a daughter at her marriage rather than at owner's death. Okay, now I think it goes, goes I, I think it goes, goes well, that's the first sentence, uh. A dowry established a type of conjugal fund, the nature of which may vary widely. This fund may provide an element of financial security in widowhood or against a negligent husband and may eventually go to the, to provide for her children. Dowries may also go toward establishing a marital household and therefore might include furnishings such as linens and furniture. Locally, well, okay, now we're going into stuff. Dowry is called Dahej in Hindi, Jihaz in Urdu, in, in Arabic, Jutok in Bengali, whatever, blah, 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 something in Mandarin, Turkish, French, Nepal, okay, da, da, da. Um, So it's basically to secure, in that sense, it's to secure the well-being of the woman, yes. despite whatever happens to the man. Yes. But in South Sudanese culture, the bride price, it goes to the family. It doesn't go to the bride. Okay. And so the groom, husband, is expected to take care of the woman. Right. And, but this money is paid to the family of mm-hmm. the woman, mm-hmm. almost like they've, the husband has purchased her. Yes, down payment. Yes, yes. Um, and it can be cash. It can be cows. It can be goats. Mm-hmm. Um, all yes. of that. But cows are the most important in South Sudan. Yes. If you watch 90 Day Fiancé... In Thailand, he owes her family some water buffalo. Okay. okay there you go. <laughs> yes. And in South Sudan, they call money walking cows. Okay. So the, yeah, so wealth 
the more money you have, the more women you can buy. Right. Got essentially. It. Got it. So um, how, so in the context of that culture, and you as an independent Western woman mm-hmm. whose whiteness is questionable, but we'll call you white for this, <laughs> for this episode, um, how did that affect dating, like, locally? So it meant that men were married but available. Okay. Um, you never found someone who was, like, not married yet. Oh, I had plenty. Okay. There are plenty of men who are not married who are also okay. available. Okay. Um, but they're but married men are also part of the dating scene. Yeah. Actively dating. Yeah. Um, and while there are rules and restrictions and traditions that are supposed to be associated with polygamy to ensure that it's fair, equitable, the first wife is supposed to have a say um, as to whether or not the husband can take a second wife mm-hmm. or or more. Um, and they're Christian, right? Yes, yeah. they're Christian. Um. None of those things are are, are followed. Right. Um, so basically, if if a man wants to have sex with a woman or wants to take a second wife, it is seen as perfectly okay by society. Mm-hmm. If a woman is not allowed to take a second husband. Mm-hmm. And if a woman is caught cheating on her husband, it is adultery. Mm-hmm. And there are very steep prices to pay for such actions. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And depending on where you are in the country, those punishments would vary. Mm-hmm. Um, so... So, yes. Um, so, did guys want to date you and have you be a bride? Or, like, so is there casual so, dating or is it so all marriage focused? Nope, there is casual dating as well. So, I would say men who are married mm-hmm. and young people who are, I would say, in their 20s are from, because usually once you're out of your 20s, you're already married. Yeah. Typically there. Yeah. So, I would say men in their 30s who are married, maybe even older. Mm-hmm. Um, and then singles in their twenties are familiar with casual dating. Um, but it's, it's difficult and frowned upon. So if you do it, you do it at risk. So if the brothers of the woman that you are seeing find out that you're seeing her or that you've slept with her, you can expect to be, have the shit beaten out of you. Oh, okay. Um, but they don't force a marriage on you? Well, they can. Okay. Especially if there's a child involved. So okay. if you become pregnant, right. almost always a marriage is forced. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's very discriminatory against the women. Right. Um, All right. So here you are, modern Western woman. How does this work out? So this works out in a number of ways. Mm-hmm. So one, I think probably the most common is that given that I'm a Western woman, my family is not there. I do not, my, I and my family, me and my family do not subscribe to the same traditions. And therefore, you know, there is no concern over my cherry. So virginity is not an issue. There's no family to come and, you know, force marriage or have repercussions. So therefore, Really, men, you know, there's Plot no you. there's no barrier. Yes, you know. Yeah. So I had I had very funny situations um, mm-hmm. everywhere from you know being out in a in a village in in the northern part of the country, mm-hmm. you know, there for a conference, you know, that the organization I was working for was putting on, and the local you know community leader decided he was in love with me and tried to force himself on me mm-hmm. in the hotel because we happened to be staying at the same hotel. So that was obviously a less than pleasant experience. Right. 
Um, and then, of course, after I refused, he then offered cows and to do it legitimately, which, okay. again, not really my thing. Right. Um, to, you know, having, you know, to, to what we would, you know, something very similar to what we would call dating. Right. You know, you go out, mm-hmm. you spend time together, mm-hmm. you have sex at the end of the night if you want right. to. Right. Um, and if you want to keep having sex, then you do, you know. Right. The same, you know, very similar sort of thing. But in, in South Sudan, if you're seen in public... Mm-hmm one-on-one, a man and a woman, everybody knows. So gossip is a huge part of the culture and everybody knows everybody. Um, And so it's very hard to go out and have a date without the family finding out and knowing what's going on. So often these things happen in groups. Um, And often if somebody lives alone, like I did, it becomes the natural place for, you know, a date or coming home and and having more of a sexual relationship. It's, It's easier to do uh, in that sense. And then there's also, you know, the experiences where you do end up having a relationship with a married man. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the benefits in South Sudan is that people, because men can marry again, mm-hmm. men don't feel the need to hide that they're married. Mm-hmm. So you you have more of an honest, fucked up relationship rather than <laughs> having a deceitful yeah. fucked up one. Right, right. Um, which somehow still seems better in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I never felt like I was lied to or told, no, mm-hmm. I'm not married when they really were. Right, right. I always knew when they were married right, and right. then I had the choice whether or not to engage. Um, and I did engage mm-hmm. um, with a couple of married men, one in particular mm-hmm. um, that was noteworthy. Um, and I was just completely head over heels for this guy. Um, And so much so that at the time I actually questioned my values and my belief system. And, you know, one of the things that's very interesting about traveling and living overseas is that you experience so much that's different from the way that you grew up doing things and that you have been exposed to. And, you know, it's not uncommon to to adopt things that you think, hey, this is really great. I should be doing this. This is fantastic. And then there are other things that you're like, whoa, this is way fucked up. And like, absolutely not. Not for me. But this is what their traditions are. And, and, that, and that's okay for them. Um, and then there are the times when, when you question what you're doing and why you're doing it and how you do it. And I had this sort of experience in South Sudan in a way that, was hurtful to myself at the time, mm-hmm. but I didn't recognize it as such. Right. Well, how many wives did he have? Just one. Just one. Just one. Yes. Just one. Um, and, you know, I, she didn't live in the capital, you know, she didn't live in the country even. Right. Mm-hmm. She was in Kenya. Right. And so oftentimes men who can afford it will keep their wives and their children in a safe location, a right. safer location, right, right. such as Kenya or Uganda, right. while South Sudan is, is quite unstable. Right. Um, and then they're there for work and, and mm-hmm. all of that, and they send money home and they visit when they can. Mm-hmm. And so they often have different lives in South yeah. Sudan when they're there. Right. And so this is sort of the, the situation that I was in. And right. I was like, okay, I can have a life with this man here. Right. And it's like, she doesn't even exist. Right. Right. Um, and I, you know, I justified it for a period of time. And then, sort of woke up one day and was like, this isn't right. And this isn't me. And this isn't, I'm not getting what I want out of this and I'm not being respectful and true to myself. Right. And so while I sort of compromised and, you know, sort of was open-minded to the degree that I was willing to question my values, Mm -hmm. I sort of came full circle and was like, no, absolutely not. This is not okay. Do you think 
he would have like seriously married you as a foreigner. Um, like so, even though they have the practice uh, of polygamy within their own culture, mm-hmm. do you did you see other examples of like foreign women, like Western women, being included in that? Mm. So. I knew of other foreign women who had married South Sudanese men. Yeah. I only had heard of one example mm-hmm. where there were multiple wives involved. Okay. In all the other examples, I had heard that it was a monogamous right. marriage similar to what we would right. expect. Um, and so it really came down to, you know, the individuals that were involved right. and the right. families that were involved. Right. In South Sudan, Sudan, it's all about the family. Right. Much, much less about the two individuals right. who love each other or want to be together. Right. Right. Um, Which I actually kind of agree with. But, uh, do I think that he would have married me? Potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that, so we've kept in touch over all mm-hmm. these years, and mm-hmm. while we're not together in any way, shape, or form mm-hmm. um, now, and haven't been for years, mm-hmm. that um, I do suspect, even though he has not confirmed uh, in in very clear terms that he has already taken a second wife. Now. Okay. Um, and so he always told me again, that honesty when we were together, that he didn't intend to take a second wife. Mm-hmm. It was never really part of, of his thought process or plan. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do believe that he has now. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I don't know if actually he has divorced his first wife. Right. We're not in touch to that degree, right. but I don't, not. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, from what I from what I know, he married his first wife because he actually cared for her, right, right. and not just because the families arranged it. Right, right. So, so yeah, so that was a very interesting and sort of self defining sort of right. experience for me, right. in sort of being one, you know, to believe that monogamy is important, mm-hmm. and you know, respecting and valuing your partner is important, and how can you do that in such a when you have polygamy mm-hmm. to sort of swinging the pendulum to the other side and being like, well, Hey, I've really come to care for this man. And if this person isn't really in his life, you know, and that she's in another, another country and the kids are over there, you know, maybe we could have a life mm-hmm. and having sort of delusions of grandeur almost right, um, right. in that That's fairy tale in that fairy tale. Yeah. yeah fairy tale. But fairy tale in a way that is, incredibly demeaning to my to myself i mean i i wouldn't say that and it's okay look gwen's not saying that she's into polygamy all i'm saying is that i think just from experience when you're in living in another culture and you're it's, this is not visiting right you, you were there for several years this isn't you know visiting and sending you know a couple weeks right. when you're kind of absorbed you know that becomes the culture becomes your new way of life. Um, You know, that's how you effectively actually make it through these experiences. Like the people who can't make it through are the ones who are very tied to their home life, like their homeland life. Right. So once you actually start to feel more, not that you're you know Mm -hmm. fully assimilated, but it's now, you know, navigating that culture as a part of your experience, then some of the cultural norms are becoming a part of your experience. So now that fantasy is because you're trying to figure out, hmm, can I, can I get into this too? 
Right. And it's and it's sort of that sort of self discovery of what am I okay with? Right. And what am I not okay with? Right. And that's sort of where I found myself was trying to figure out where do I fit in all of this? Yeah, yeah. And how do I fit in all of this? Do I want to be a part of it or don't I? Mm -hmm. And there was, I admit, a period of time where I wanted to to see where it would go. Right. And I was willing to continue to engage with this guy, Mm -hmm. even knowing that it meant that I would be a second wife. Right. Right. And and there are there are dynamics that are known like typically the first wife is the ruler of the house. Right. And and the second wife becomes subservient. Right. And that and the first wife true. the first wife says what goes and the second wife does, you know, what the first wife says. And yeah. you know, there are very interesting dynamics mm-hmm. associated with that that system and you're right, it's not me. But it took me some time to figure out that it wasn't. Because and if that, you cared enough for him too, and you want to be with him, then you know that was the means by which you could be with him. You know, so that became if a we wanted to make it official, or if yeah. I wanted to stay forever, and yeah. all of these things. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I was in this sort of experimental sort of mindset for I would say four to six months or so, mm-hmm. um, and then basically, you know, decided you know what, this isn't for me, mm. and. It, it doesn't work with my value system right, right. and it doesn't work with what I want for my life. Right. And it doesn't, it doesn't work with who I am and, and how I think about myself and, right. and how I care about myself and want to be and what I expect from a partner. Right. Um, so I sort of came back, you know, sort of full circle back mm-hmm. to much more of a, a Western definition of, you know, relationships and what right. a relationship should look like right. as my sort of, desired outcome and standard standard, exactly so did you feel like you were fetishized in any way by the men in South Sudan not really I mean there I think there is a certain amount of prestige and sort of you know heckling and whatnot that that is involved with oh you've slept with a white woman Mm -hmm. um but fetishized no I don't think I was that popular I mean it's popular but I don't know about that I mean I'm just curious I'm curious because you know you we should also say that like I'm not a skinny woman mm-hmm. and women who are curvy in South Sudan are seen as more attractive than others. And mm-hmm. so this sort of worked it, you know, to my advantage there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I had plenty of skinny <laughs> white women friends mm-hmm. who were not receiving the same kind of attention I was. Right. But as you know, sort of this conversation alludes to is mm-hmm. I also wasn't a typical foreigner, Right. you know, I, assimilated to a great degree into the culture that I was living in. Right. I had, you know, by far more South Sudanese friends than I ever did foreigner friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, you know, had a very nice community of friends that were, that were local. Right. Um, and that was really I think, quite defining of my experience, which is not the norm right. for foreigners overseas, typically right. in these environments. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, I had a lot of fun in the process mm-hmm. um, and I'm still in touch with a number of friends and people that I dated. Mm-hmm. Um, one still says he wants to marry me. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But um, we'll see. Okay. We'll see. You never know. Whatever. Never say never. Well, I'm saying never. Um, <laughs> uh, so moving on from South Sudan, let's move up to the Middle East. So let's move to, if I'm going from Asia to Africa, to let's Africa. move to the Middle East. So okay. your uh, last destination that you lived and worked in was Iraq. Mm-hmm. Uh, describe dating there. 
So dating is not a thing in Iraq. Okay. It does not exist in sort of our definition of dating. Mm-hmm. It is very much uh, your friends and then you're married. Okay. And there is no sex okay. uh, before you're married. Right. Um, and if there is, then you really sure as hell better trust your partner. Mm-hmm. Because any sort of, if anybody knows that you've had sex with a woman or a woman is no longer a virgin, you've ruined her. And, I mean, it's a big, big deal. Um, But they're not thinking of you as being ruined as a foreigner. No, I don't. Exactly. So I'm not held to the same standards. Um, But still, people are very private about their social lives. Right. There's friendship. And one of the things that I found interesting that I heard multiple times is a lot of young men Mm -hmm. will go in together and put money down to rent an apartment Mm -hmm. that essentially nobody lives in, Mm -hmm. but it's a furnished apartment that is there for them to bring women back to. Um, And so a group of five, six men Mm -hmm. will share the -hmm. rent and share the space for them to be, to bring women home, to be able to have a sexual life Mm -hmm. should they have the opportunity. Um, it's very dangerous for the woman to partake. It's incredibly dangerous for the woman to partake. Okay. Um, it, it, I mean, it can be physically dangerous for the right. woman to partake. It can be a forced marriage. It can be, you know, your ex, you know, you're excommunicated from the community and from right. the family, right. and it can be death, right. depending on what kind of community right. uh, you're in. Right. It can be a very, yeah, rough situation. Right. Um, so, how did that work out for you as a foreigner? In this type of cultural environment. So, surprisingly enough, Tinder works in Iraq. Lord. <laughs> and okay, but hold up. Let's, let's hold up. I have my American sensibilities, and my listeners may have their American or European sensibilities about Tinder, which is just a hookup app, app which is just bullshitty. But is, is that it, is still it, what it is? Yes, it is. Completely so, in the U.S., you would yes, still say yes, that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, um... Is it more refined? Does it have a better reputation? Like, what does Tinder look like in Iraq? So I think Tinder... Swipe left, swipe right. Yes. Um, I think Tinder is essentially a slower-moving conduit for the same thing. And I say slower-moving because people don't rush into sex. Like, you're on Tinder, come over tonight, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, mm-hmm. peace the fuck out. Yeah, which is how it is here, so... Um, so I would say Tinder is sort of a, a way to meet people who are more open-minded, have lived overseas, or who have international experience. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean just the foreigners. I mean mm-hmm. also the Iraqis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that you get to meet people that mm-hmm. way, mm-hmm. and then you go out a few times, and then it, it, mm-hmm. it should generally lead to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely had men not want to see me again because I didn't want to sleep with them. Mm-hmm. And then I definitely had men who wanted to continue to see each other, mm-hmm. regardless of whether it led to sex or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so shout out to Tinder and Iraq is what we're saying. Basically. Okay, that's but what I, we're saying. But then I did meet a guy just mm-hmm. in a cafe mm-hmm. um, who I ended up dating for a few months, mm-hmm. and it was really lovely. Okay. Um, but it was very, very quiet. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew about it. Mm-hmm. Um but that, that's funny because that sounds just like South Sudan, right? But he was not supposed to know. Yeah. Uh, same thing. Um, so we're just brash Americans. Everyone else is private. And we're all <laughs> fucked up in America just out here. Um, yeah. But I find that Tinder has different meanings in different places. Of course. Um, in France, it wasn't just a hookup thing. Mm-hmm. 
I would argue in the U.S. it's not just a hookup it's thing. It's totally just a hookup thing, but go ahead. I don't think so. Yes. I've definitely had people in their profile say, I want a relationship. They all say that. They're lying. No, I've been... <laughs> But I've definitely been on dates for Tinder where there was no expectation of sex and no suggestion of, like, Mm -hmm. I've definitely had very, like, reasonable Tinder dates um, in the U.S., you know, when I'm... Okay. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, um, but in Greece... Yeah, last destination. It is definitely a hookup app. Thank you. It is an immediate, like, here's my dick. In the, you know, you get dick pics... Every single time, mm-hmm. even when I tell a guy like, "Please don't send a dick pic," I get a dick pic. So let's let's talk about dick pics. Oh, let's I just, hate dick let's, pics. Thank you. Let's talk about nobody dick pics. wants to see your dick. Nobody wants a dick pic. Nobody. It's so stupid. I'm not just stupid, but it's so fucking rude. Yeah, yeah. If I want to see your penis, I will ask to see your penis. Exactly, exactly. And it sure as hell isn't going to be in a goddamn picture. Exactly. If I want to see your penis, it's going to be right fucking in front yes, of me, yes. where I can touch it and lick it and put it between my legs. Exactly. I agree. Guy, but uh, as I said to Kimmy, guys only ask for dick pics because they want you to send news. So they think that if you get a dick pic, it's going to be some type of repro- reciprocity. And I think they'll be like, oh, well, I sent you my dick, so send me right. news. And now I'm going to refer back to my comment in the right. last episode where men do what they do mm-hmm. because they like it and they think they're going to get something in return. We've come full circle on that argument, my dear. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, but so, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. And I right, said that was immature and juvenile. Agreed. But men that. are incredibly visual. Yes. And so they think women are also visual and want a picture of their dick, even though, no, that's Nobody not how it, it works. Nobody wants it. Right? Yeah. Or they think, if I send a nude, yeah. I'm going to get a nude. Yeah. Again, no. Yeah. But that's a juvenile approach. Um, and so, look. Shout out to all the gay dudes. I'm sure that shit works for you because men want that shit from men. But heterosexual women don't want it. It's stupid. It's like, and and honestly, I'm judging your dick and it's probably not in a good way. So like. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's just not in a good way. Nine times out of ten. Yeah. I'm talking shit about. You ain't good enough to create appeal. No, not at all. Like nine times I'm talking (laughs) mad shit about your dick. Don't do it. It's not cool. Like you're looking for validation. It's It's stupid. It's really dumb. Um, okay, so we kind of went dating around the world just now. Um, and then we also did talk about my next topic here about being an independent woman and how that affects your dating life. I think we've kind of already talked about that. That was on the list here. What, is there something else we want to talk about? No, no I was going to say that I don't think we've really touched on I don't see Tinder and having hookups or... I don't see these things as being connected to being an independent woman and how that affects your dating life. Okay. Right, because I mean, if you're engaging in Tinder and you want to just have a quick one night stand, it's got nothing to do with that, right? Necessarily, except I don't think there are a lot of independent women who want a dick pic. That's I don't think anybody wants a dick pic, but anyway, go ahead. Um, but yeah, um, I generally think that being a very independent woman mm-hmm. makes it much harder to have meaningful relationships. I totally agree. Why do you think that? Because men are insecure and need to be needed, and I don't fucking need you. I know. I mean, I need you, but not. Not in the sense that, like, oh, my life can't go on without you or I can't do this because of you. But, like, I need you in the sense that I want I want a, a connection. I need you in the sense of emotional support. I need you in the sense of that, that friend, that advice, that person that's there for you mm-hmm. needs you. Mm-hmm. But not in the sense that, like, oh, no, my light bulb went out. What am I going to do? Right. Are you kidding? Like, I don't yeah. need you in that sense. I don't need you to pay the bills. I do that just fine. 
So I get the sense that the way that men feel like, and I could be wrong on this, but the way that men feel like they need to be needed Mm -hmm. and the way that I want to need don't go together. I agree. So how, okay. So let's go on this a little bit more because I think, and I've had guys tell me they do want to be needed, right? Men need to be needed. They want to feel like they can, problem solve for you or they they can do things for you like they want you to depend on them in a way and I think that's really hard when you're an independent woman because look we've been living by ourselves for several years now right so clearly if I haven't been living with a guy I have to do everything myself whether it's taking out the trash whether it's not their things broken in my apartment that's why I've been doing it Um, I'm obviously we're obviously you know making money on our own, uh, taking care of our finances, taking care of our well-being, our livelihoods. So, you know, we're really, when I say independent, it's just that you're Mm self-sufficient in every aspect of your life because you don't have someone else who's contributing in any way. So if you now are seeking someone who is looking for a sugar daddy or someone who uh, needs like constant, you know, validation for you to provide X, Y, and Z. It's really hard to, it's hard for an independent woman to get with that or to fit into that because you've just been doing everything on your own, you know, and we've just been doing things on our own. So it just doesn't make any sense. Um, A lot of times it's just, you know, I... And I don't know, when I date guys, sometimes I wonder, you know, uh, the last episode I have my cousin Jay, you know, I've said, you know, I find that, and I don't know if it's because I'm more of an alpha woman, that I maybe date more beta guys, and I feel like they need me in a lot of ways. They're very needy a lot of times, the guys that I date, and I find it annoying and irritating, Um and I just don't know if alpha guys are attracted to me. And when I have dated alpha guys, it's been actually horrible. Uh, it's just been like it's clashing, clashing. Yeah, it's just a constant yeah. clash, right? Right. Well, I'm the same way in terms of, I think, being an alpha woman. Um, but I don't see a beta guy necessarily not being successful or my equal. I just I see them as being more quiet, reserved, yeah. not having to be the one in control all the time right? and being okay with that. Right. And so for me, I guess if I was saying what I was looking for is I'm looking for that successful beta guy that is laid back and probably more reserved, but when push comes to shove is able to tell me like, hey, no, you yeah. need to stop or hey, you've gone too far you know, who's able to put me in my place and challenge me intellectually, who's able to, this person has to be my equal or more, mm-hmm. you know, so that, so that I do need them. Right. Right. Like, but, but I guess the question that, is, you're only going to get that advice. Right. But if, if we're saying that male, you know, sort of masculinity is very masculinity, fragile. Exactly. It's fragile. Yes, yes. And that need is based on like, Oh, you need advice. They need to help coach you through things, all of that then this person better be my equal or more because right. if they're not, then they're not going to be able to provide that sort of support. Right. And, and I would say like, I sure as hell don't fucking have time to do that for somebody else. Right. That's not a desire in any way, shape or form for me. Right. I don't need I've to be needed in that way. I've done it a lot because you know, I just 
type to me. But you're the mothering type. I am fucking mothering. And I, I am hate not. it. And I don't know what's wrong with me because I am mothering and I hate yeah. it. But the thing yeah, about it is nice quality. it's a nice quality. It's, it's a weird thing about me. It, it is in my nature. I'm a very nurturing person. I fucking hate it though. But I am a nurturing person by default. But I, I don't want my partner to need that from me, right? It's something right. that it that I, I it is a part of me. It is just who I am, and it's true. I'm a mothering. I'm a nurturing person. Mm-hmm. However, that is not what I want my partner to, to need me. from me, right? Um, they will get benefits from it, mm-hmm. but I don't want you to need that. Like you can't function you without it. Yeah, you depend, yes. and that's what I, I find agree. myself yeah. in a lot. And I I agree. You've seen me for in that. You. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I agree that. that that's. Yeah, but that makes a lot of sense that that person can't rely on nurturing for their success or survival. Yeah, and that's where I found myself a lot. And so people have said, like, if you meet people who knew me from high school or, you know, even like the beginning of college, people are very surprised that I'm not married, don't have any children. People are shocked. They're like, really? Because I do have a nurturing way about me. Mm-hmm. So people would think that, of course you're married. Of course you have kids. But uh, I'm a very, like, logical person, too. So just because I, I think because I'm very logical and I think I guess I'm ambitious, too. It just hasn't worked out like that. But it, it's really important. Like, even though I have a nurturing nature to me, I don't want that to be what is... What defines the relationship. Yeah, what defines relationships. Exactly. And I think because of my nurturing nature, I tend to find guys who do need that. And mm-hmm. so I don't know how to not have that. That's 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 been the that's been the problem. How do I find? How do I do? I, does that mean I need to stop being nurturing? Because I don't know how to not do it. it. Yeah, but I don't know how to not do it. That's the problem with me. I don't know how to not do it. Like I nurture everybody. I don't know how to not do it. So it's um it's weird. It's disgusting actually. Um, yeah, I'm a weird. Oh my god, that It's disgusting. Like I'm just like I'm like an ice queen slash like doting mom. Very strange. <laughs> I'm an ice queen slash doting mom, and I but I don't want to do that now because you know what? I actually want that for my children. The truth is that I I only would want to be a mother to my children. I don't want to be a mother to my partner. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. I want to be like I said that equal where yeah. you know. Yeah. I want to be able to problem solve together. Right. Not that somebody needs to solve my problems or right. I need to solve theirs. Exactly. Exactly. Like it's it's two people together versus the problem. Right. Yes. That's what I want. Me too. But I always find that it's me. <laughs> it's always right. me. Um and I've said this before, I said no one's ever ever listen, forget someone wanting to try no one's ever come to try to solve shit for me. Like, I don't even know, have you ever had a guy? I don't have a guy who's ever even tried. Mm-hmm. It just never even happened. Like, we're talking no, about... No, I've had guys try. Really? That's cute. No, but then they don't know what the fuck they're talking about, and then I get frustrated and, get, and then snappy. I know. Because I get frustrated when when people think that they know more than they do. Yeah, yeah. And then they think that they have the answer. Right. When really they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And I find that even more frustrating. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I don't... Um, yeah, but, but I've said this before. I think that just societally, it doesn't matter what you've been around the world. I've, I'm telling you, men oftentimes are looking for a second mom. And so it's very hard. In dating interculturally, that is a yeah. big issue for me because yeah. a lot of the places that I've lived, the expectation is that the women play 
that role. Yeah, this is and they, they're homemakers. Yeah. They take care of the home. They raise yeah. the children. Yeah. The men go out and work, and that's not quite how my life right. has been, right. right? Or how I see my life going forward. And right. so, it's it's often challenging as a result. Yeah, it, it is, and you know, but and the you, sex is good. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a totally different thing. But I, you know, and I've said this, and people sometimes are like your families from Jamaica, why do you not date Jamaican men? Because it is a patriarchal society and that is expectation. And when I've grown up, that's all I've seen. I've seen the mom who are, I know my mom, my aunts, everything, they do play that traditional gender role and they have no problem doing it. Um, and I feel like because I come from that, they're going to be like, well, you're supposed to know your role. I'm like, no, I fucking don't. That's not, you know, I grew up in America. Fuck no. So I don't want to even be bothered because I feel like it's a double. If I were not of Jamaican heritage, then they might give me like a more of a pass. Like, oh, she's some foreign girl. She doesn't know. But I technically am supposed to know. So, um, and I do know and I don't want to do it. So it's, uh, you know, that's why I, you know, I'll date a lot of guys. But, you know, and I, and I, and it's a, it's a weird juxtaposition because these cultures, you know, you know, shit, patriarchy is what I grew up in at the end of the day. And I'm comfortable in it in a sense, but who I grown to be as a person, as an adult does not fit that, you know? So, um, yeah, like I, I work hard as hell, you know, we came over here today. I, I came home, I logged on. I still have work to do. You know, I work like crazy. What I don't want to do is that we both work. Like I have a demanding career. You work and, and then you come home, you look at me, where's my dinner? My motherfucker, I've been working too. Like you can't look at me, where's my dinner? Did you iron my shirt? Did you do that? Looking at me to have done all of these extra things. And it's because I'm a woman and I'm figuring out, well, what is your contribution? Because you're, on, because you're a man, because you have a dick, that's your fucking contribution? Bruh, dick is free. So no, 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 no. That can't be the contribution. You live here too. You better yeah. Yeah, that can't yeah. be the contribution. So that is what bothers me. Like you can't, your contribution can't be dick because it's probably not money. Okay. Cause I'm working too. So if your only contribution is dick, bro, dick is fucking free. That is not a real contribution. I need something. I need to bring more to the table and nine out of 10 guys, they're only bringing dick. In the grand scheme of things, they're not bringing more than that. So, um, and I'm not shitting on guys. I'm not shitting on guys, but you guys really need to think because this is a funny thing. This is a, an interesting dynamic I've seen. There are a lot of guys who are single and will be independent and take care of themselves. You know, they cook for themselves. They do all the stuff. However, when they get in, in a relationship, they expect, they, the woman to do it. they expect the woman to yeah, do this it. This is where I'm known. Yeah. You still need to take care of yourself. Yes. You still live in this house. And there yes. You still need to maintain it. Yes. We just maintain it together. Exactly. As opposed to you doing it all or me doing it all. Right. But I think because society and a lot of times people's mothers have raised them to expect that their wives are going to do this for them. Um, they know how to do it, but their vision of marriage, they don't think that they need to do it because they're the man. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And that's why I'm single. And listen, a lot of my friends and different people who are married, like, look, I know you sacrificed because you want to be married. You love your husbands, blah, blah, blah. But like, I, I just, I'm like, fuck no. Like, I think of marriage as like, what am I going to get out of it ultimately to benefit me? Because if it doesn't benefit me, I don't know why I would do it. That's what I really feel like. If it does not actually have tangible benefits that are going to improve one's quality of life, why the fuck am I doing this? It's a business. 
Yeah, love, love, love. I know. No, I know. no, 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 no. I wasn't going to go there. I was just going to say, what's the difference that, I mean, marriage, the benefit that you get from marriage is called a tax break. Yes. Um, yes. But in terms of being in a long-term relationship and a, and a partnership and marriage, there is no difference in terms of the benefit. Well, no, no. I mean, okay, look. I mean, the tax there's break. There's a diamond involved. But the yes. tax break is the a tax benefit, break. Right? Um, it's also you paying, you know, where we're figuring out the bills. I'm not putting up paying up for my whole apartment myself or I have something where the bills are splitting. So it's actually giving me a financial, right, a financial benefit. Contract. Yeah, there's a financial benefit of no longer having to put the bill for everything in my life. You would, I would, you would assume that if you're getting married, there is a financial benefit regardless of how much income there is. Two people are splitting rent, utilities, whatnot. Okay. You're getting that benefit regardless of whether he's doing the dishes. Okay, yeah, that's you what I mean. Is. Like to me, the the benefit needs to come not from the marriage, but rather the the relationship. Yes, the relationship absolutely. Needs to be yes, the relationship needs to be balanced, but I also need the marriage because then maybe I can stop paying for my insurance <laughs> and maybe I can go on yours. I don't know, right? But so again, listen, <laughs> I think about all these tangible. No, things. financial benefits yes. are important in a yes. marriage, but but that's really the only difference in signing yes. a marriage contract. Yes, right. The yeah. relationship and how you're. How you work together as a couple doesn't change just because you sign a marriage. Correct. Contract. No, absolutely, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Um, so yeah, that's where you know, yeah, a lot of you guys are like I love him. Fuck that shit. Make sure your financial shit works out. All right, I think I want to cut this short because it's getting late. And so let's. I just want to ask another question. So you know, you talked about South Sudan. You know, uh, you don't date a local, so there's are like you know, black African guys. Just in general, doesn't have to be South Sudan, but when you've dated interracially, do you feel like um, strangers uh, are staring at you or giving you shade or giving you any type of like, you know, do you feel a difference? Yeah, that's what I should say. Do you feel like a difference? What's been your experience with that? The time when I felt the biggest difference was when I dated an African-American in the U.S., Okay. Um, we went to the shopping mall, and the looks I got from women, okay. in particular. Which women? Um, it didn't. All of them. White, white black, black all of them. Okay. Didn't matter. Okay. The women, in particular, mm-hmm. as a white woman dating a yeah an African American, was just shocking. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, yeah, it was it was my first experience really with sort of very clear public Disdain. dislike yeah. for what. For walking in a mall, I wasn't. I don't even think we were holding hands. Right. Walking next to a black man right. down the hall in a in a shopping mall, wow. and that was eye opening to me. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, I was eighteen at the time, yeah. so it's been a while. Yeah. Um, but in other places around the world, I haven't felt it as much. Right. But then also, you said in South Sudan, you weren't really going public as much. It was yeah, it's so less it's public. Different. It's yeah. less public, so it's different. Mm-hmm. I do know that. You know, there's different sort of rules or thinking if you're marrying a foreigner. Mm-hmm. I know the, you know, as a foreigner, the more that you assimilate or the more that you try to understand the culture that you're living in, mm-hmm. the more it helps you to understand the dynamics, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it be, you know, with the family, with society, whatever, the mm-hmm. politics of a particular country, mm-hmm. that all matters. And so someone that I dated, one of the things that I actually really, really cared about and mm-hmm. was hoping was going to be a a meaningful relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, he said to me, like, you would fit in with the family. Mm-hmm. And I took that as, you know, quite the compliment. Quite the compliment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. 
and that I was being accepted for who I am right. and that, you know, I had met the family. I knew who they were. They knew who I was mm-hmm. and was like, whoa, this might work. Mm-hmm. Um, and that to me was a really big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't end up working out. Right. Um, but, you know, those kinds of things end up meaning more. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think in the U.S. it's like, oh, well, if your family likes you, it's like, it's a bonus, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, it's not always a deal breaker, right. depending on the people. Depending in the family. people. So you me, are different. You know, know, you know how I am. I know, you know you. it's a deal breaker for me. Right. It would be a total deal breaker right. for me. Um, yeah. this is for me, for me I don't know if it would be a deal breaker yeah. or not. It would have to depend. Yeah. Um, I did find out, though, that. Um, the guy in the relationship that I was talking about earlier, uh-huh. I found out after we broke up that my parents hated him. Oh, really? And I was shocked. Okay. Um, okay. I was like, damn. Like, all okay. right. I mean, all it right. didn't work out, but like, yeah. I don't know yet if that's really a deal breaker for yeah, me for or you, not, no, especially no, because I'm quite... You're not always around I'm not always family. around my family. I'm not yeah. always in the U.S. Like, it, it's right. a bit different for me. Yeah. Um, and I think just in American culture in general, that's it's not a deal breaker. It's not. It's just about the right. general. Yes, just exactly. Not, much more. It, yeah. And, you know, I'm, like, scarily close to my family. Right. So it would just be very hard mm-hmm. if I did. It just, it's very hard if the family situation doesn't work out for someone. And, and it's true. And it's just true. Like, as, as old as I am, if the other part, if my parents didn't like the guy or their family, I don't know. Or my sisters, I don't know because I'm like really close to my family. And I think, I do think of it as like, I guess it's a foreign way of like you're, you're merging the two families. Right. So I, it's not just me and the guy. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that, you know, the vast majority of places outside of the world yeah. are much more familial focused. Yeah. Yeah. And those extended families really, really matter. Yeah. yeah. Everything from, like I said, the uncles in South Sudan are the yeah. ones that make decisions, not yeah. the parents. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not, America is unique because it's very individualistic. Right. And most places aren't. Right. So, um, yeah. Hell no. So, yeah. Um, my parents. They don't like But no, I've been pretty out. fortunate that I haven't had a lot of. A lot of challenges. I think it's also easier being a foreign woman, mm-hmm. uh, being you in a think? yeah, because I'm not held to the same standards as local women. But foreign men have a much harder time because they have to be careful because if they ruin, quote unquote, ruin mm-hmm. a local woman, I mean, it's hugely it detrimental is, to those women. I get it, but if the foreign man actually marries her, uh, then it's okay. It's okay. Then yeah. it's okay, and. Yeah, and he brings okay. her to America and just right. a better life. But foreign men aren't always looking for that. That's true. That's true. So Listen. it's much easier for me to yeah. have casual sex. Yes, than yes. it is for a foreign man to Absolutely. have casual sex overseas. Yeah. Got it. Uh, uh, yeah, depending on the country. Yeah. So yeah. listen. Yeah. Because I had my fun. Yeah. I mean, there were relationships thrown yeah. in there, but, like, I had my fun overseas. Listen, local girls, I know you're watching 90 Day Fiance, which is one of my favorite shows, okay? <laughs> it's TV Rally Show, and I hope to get one of my good friends to come on here and do it. I hated to that, all right? But if you think, yeah, listen, I love this fucking trash show, okay? If you think just because a Western guy is saying a couple things to you, be very careful because you don't want him to ruin you and you don't want to have problems because a lot of these Western guys do just want to have sex casually and they do not understand the importance of... Well, if you are not a Western woman dating a Western guy, you need to go to their home country and see how they interact with the people from their own culture before you put a ring on your finger. Mm. Yeah, I want to bring Because sometimes those cultural anomalies just don't translate, and you think you're getting a nice guy, but you're really getting one that's not getting laid at home. That's true. They don't realize that. You're getting a fucking right? loser, girl. 
But listen, a green card, listen, hashtag green card hustle. I understand you guys need a green card. Listen, I come from a third world background. I understand, okay? Um, and I understand the sacrifice you're willing to make for it. So it's true. But for the green card, but I don't. Make, I don't always think it's for the green card. I think these women think that they're getting good men sometimes. They do because they don't know any better. Oh lord, they don't know any better. But that mm-hmm. even if they don't, the green card's worth it. That even if they don't, there's the green card's worth it. But then think about Japan. You don't really need that green card. You don't need it for Japan. That's a different right, story. But those women are marrying trashy fucking men. Uh, you. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, but that's I mean, I have multiple examples. I know, but that is, oh, that's a hard one because I think when it comes to Japan and a lot of like Asian culture, there's the fetishism with the foreign guys who, you know, they have their yellow fever. And I'm rolling my eyes big time. Over yeah, the guys have yellow fever. And then for some reason, because it's such a homogenous society, like a homogeneous homogenous society, um, these losers go over there and they're like rock stars. Um, and then the girls are like, oh, I have a guy, Jean. They have their little, you know, foreigner <laughs> guy. And, you know, he's the biggest fucking loser who can never get laid in America, Canada, England, Europe, South, South, South Africa, Australia. The biggest fucking losers from these English speaking countries go over there. And, you know, they start smelling themselves and feeling themselves because they're getting attention. Yeah. And then they never leave. Yeah, they never leave. And these four women. And, you know, but... There's mm. nothing wrong with being socially awkward, but this is beyond that. Ugh, they're just gross. I mean, we knew a guy who, like, was violent. And his girlfriend, this lovely, lovely Japanese woman, shy and quiet and just the sweetest woman, and she stuck around and put up with it just so that she could get married and and have a foreigner and whatnot. And I just... It was really sad to see, frankly. And there's so many cases of that. Um, So it's not just, oh, a little socially awkward. Everybody, you know, a little socially awkward goes a long way. That's totally fine. Yeah. Um, But this is beyond that. Yeah, a lot of them are just fucking losers. Um, And shout out to Japanese women and Korean women for, ugh. Getting with these gross ass well, and Thai women and Cambodian oh, that's women and true. Vietnamese and that's true. Every Filipino and everybody. I mean, that's true. Shout out to y'all, Lord, because these guys are gross. Ugh, so nasty. <laughs> that's not all of them. Let us not be, you know, complete haters. But there, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. It's a lot. Nine out of ten. I'm not going to give it a low statistic. There, a low percentage. It's a lot. Um, and, and I'm not saying they're just white guys. Yeah, they're fucking losers in general. The black ones. Or whatever the Latin, they're all fucking losers. So um, ooh, they're gross. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm going off on a tangent here. Um, yeah. So, all right. Anything else do I have on this list? I, okay, last topic. Last topic. Question. So you you know abroad, we're here. I was you know I don't like to talk about him a lot. Forty five, but now that. We're living in this 45 of our all-timer president era. Um, our president, who looks like he has dementia, but I don't know what's going on with him. Um, <laughs> do you feel like anyone has interacted with you differently over the last couple of years when they find out you're American, you know, in the midst of the Trump era? Interacted with me differently, I would say no. Okay. Um, people don't 
by and large don't treat me differently, mm-hmm. people will often bring up Trump to right. gauge where I stand, okay. if I'm a Trump supporter or not, right, right. which I am not. Right, she's not. Definitely not. Right. No, but I am going to bring one of my Trump supporter friends on here. Y'all about to see. Um, you never so, meet her. Damn it. I know. I really wanted to. I know. Um, so people usually want to find out if I support him or not. Mm-hmm. But by and large, the sentiment overseas of, of Trump and, and who he is, is 99.9% of what the fuck did you elect? Yeah, I know. Um, and people are also like, well, you elected him. And I'm like, oh, fuck, no, I didn't. I know, I know. Um, so it's very interesting. Um, but yeah, the world sentiment, I think, is is very negative and very anti-Trump. Um, but you don't feel any of that projected towards you? No, okay. I don't. Um, I had one person in Iraq, mm-hmm. a young man who who was, I would say, hopeful mm-hmm. about Trump and thought that he might be better in terms of how he dealt with issues that related to foreign policy, mm-hmm. specifically regarding Iraq. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I didn't discount that. I just said, you do realize the president of the United States does more than just foreign policy to Iraq mm-hmm. and that it affects the United States mm-hmm. greatly. And what is happening in the United States mm-hmm. is not okay. Right. And we had a very interesting debate, a very lively, colorful conversation, and very respectful uh, on both of our sides. Um, and at the end of the day, I think he realized, like, oh, right, the American president isn't just about foreign policy to my country. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good reminder to a lot of us that often the U.S. president is gauged and and rated and, and supported or not based on their foreign policy to that person's country. Correct. And not on the full performance or full understanding of right. what... An American president does domestically. Well, yeah. Well, no, and that's an important their own distinction. Absolutely, yeah. and it makes sense. Yeah. But I think as an American, mm-hmm. you don't realize that mm-hmm. they're like, oh, that person who thinks Trump's doing a good job because they support, you know, oil exports mm-hmm. from their country. Mm-hmm. You know that they don't right. realize that you know what the ramifications are for domestic right. politics. They only see that narrow slice of right. the pie, right. Right. and so. You know, you have to put it all in perspective and see that full picture, I think, is important to keep in mind. Um, but no, it hasn't It hasn't greatly affected me. It's usually a topic of conversation, mm-hmm. and I try to keep it brief. Right. Yeah. Um, that's, that's because I'm not a fan. Right. I, yeah, I totally understand. And I don't want it to define me or my country. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh, God. The terror <laughs> in which we live. So, uh, probably want to close this one out. Any dreams, aspirations, advice, positive notes you want to end this episode with that you'd like to share? No, I mean, I think the conversation we had in the last episode about, you know, sort of race and and continuing the dialogue and helping people to understand what doesn't come natural to them Mm -hmm. or what they're not exposed to, Mm -hmm. I think is critical. Mm -hmm. And so don't give up that. And I think those people who who do understand or who have different Mm -hmm. experiences Mm -hmm. need to continue to share them. Mm -hmm regardless of whether you're trying to change somebody's opinion or not, right. you know, the more understanding or the more, you know, we share with one another, mm-hmm. it does make a difference. I, yeah. I still truly believe that mm-hmm. somehow I'm, I'm not fully jaded <laughs> in this world. Um, and I guess, you know, my experiences have taught me that no matter where you're from, mm-hmm. what religion you are, what color mm-hmm. of your skin, 
everybody wants the same thing in this world, and that is to have a better future for their children. Okay. And I think that it's important to remember that. Okay. That we're all, you know, sort of, we all want the same thing. We're all, mm-hmm. you know, human beings, and, and we're not so different from one another. Okay. And that's important to remember. Okay. Okay. And on that note, because my dog is crying, um, uh, this has been episode 25 of Gab with Gwen. Thank you so much, Samantha, for coming through. And this is your last you know, night in the States. Uh, and I hope you have a wonderful year in Greece. Thank you. Um, and of course, you're welcome back anytime. And we're going to try to figure out if we can do this somehow remotely, but I can't guarantee anything. All right. We'll see. Let's see. Okay. All right. Thank you. All right, Bye, thank everybody. You. Bye. Okay.